Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are about to uh, rob the house of a very terrible old man. Um, but there's all these like runes all over the place and we can't quite read them. Exactly. So to try and upgrade our reading proficiency, we've decided to issue a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Uh, then on this podcast, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Exacto mundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. Doof, uh, doof media, media production. production. <laughs> We're, we're so clever. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, uh, that, how are you, Jarvis? What's up? How's it going? I am, I am doing very good. I am quite tired for no real reason, but I've been drinking my Monster Energy drinks, pounding a lot of water, and I'm excited for another episode of Do the Right Thing. Yeah, I, ju- I, uh, um, I just took a, a yeah. shot of water before I before we started Ooh. rolling, so I'm ready to How go. How's your uh, skin feel? Yeah. Oh, it's it's great. Um yeah, actually, I have a, a really, really big bottle of vodka just sitting next to my computer, so you can kind of tell how my past week Ooh. has been. <laughs> I mean, if you if you really think about it, it has been New Year's. Like, and I do have the, last the plague, or I did. I don't know if I still do. We'll see. And, and there's been a, a lot of articles that say drinking high quantities of Alcohol is a good way to defend against COVID nineteen. Um, I I don't want to endorse that. Uh, maybe just just uh, you know, I trust Jarvis that his sources are mm-hmm. are reputable. But maybe do your own research mm-hmm. before you uh drown yourself in alcohol while you are dying of a respiratory disease. That's just a, a pro <laughs> tip from from mm-hmm. me. I mean, like because when you do drink, it makes you breathe slower, right? <laughs> Which means that 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 those COVID molecules, COVID molecules have less. Time That's true to get in there. Yeah. 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 Well, it, another thing is that this vodka tastes like Germex, so like Ooh, it's got to just be nice. cleansing my entire mouth through and, and through, throat yeah. as it goes down. So, um, really can only do Actually, good. I- I wonder why we don't just take more like alcohol. Baths. You know, you know what's a just baths it, it, and full alcohol. You know what my my tip is: just gargle some vodka every morning. Yes, just gargle it every morning after your uh, toothbrush and uh, toothbrush. I mean, isn't that some of vodka? Isn't Listerine mouthwash basically just like a watered down version of gargling your mouth with vodka? It is. Yeah. So I mean, why would you pay thirteen dollars for for that than something that you can gargle and then drink. That's right. That's a two in one. Yeah, you can't. You can't drink mouthwash. You can't drink. Well, I mean, you can, but you're not supposed to. And you can't drink mm-hmm. uh, your toothpaste, but you can drink the vodka you gargled with. So, yeah. um, and you'll be squeaky clean and smelling like. Roses. Yeah. So that's that's uh, do the right things home remedy. Uh, I would mm-hmm. love to hear everyone's reactions to it and and sort of you know has a, how does it work for you do you do you gargle with bourbon whiskey you know what's uh what's your little ritual jack um anyway <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry what's y'all. your little what, ritual what are, what are the words this week Jarvis? so thank you so much for asking uh the words for this week are threat rate indulge and entitlement wonderful 
Um, uh, so, so this week the uh, theme was home, and I was really excited to hear all of the different, uh, or to read all the different interpretations of that concept. That was um, really interesting, um, especially because they mm-hmm. people took it very, very different ways. Yeah, and I mean, really, I think it's because we did choose uh, such a broad topic, mm-hmm. and I and I really did love how people took it and just went with it. There, are, there are people writing stories about what home's not, what makes a home and then also people writing stories just about home and i I don't know i just really liked the different uh interpretations not only of the problem not only of the prompt but of what home is so yeah it was a really great job this week Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um so what is the story that we're reading this week the story we are reading this week is the terrible old man by hp lovecraft so our old our old good old boy uh hp, HP. don't look up the name <laughs> of my cat love lovecraft um <laughs> is is back again um mm-hmm. <laughs> with a, with a so, vengeance yeah so y'all may notice that we are we are reusing a lot of the the same authors you have to understand um <laughs> So, so we're we're only. It's hard to find new authors. Yeah, it's because we're 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 doing public domain stories, right? And there's only so many repositories that like have um, public domain stories specifically that are within mm-hmm. our our word count range because you know most short stories are actually much longer than the you know 15 minutes that we want to read the story on here, right? Yeah. If it, if a story and is, they also have to mm-hmm. be good. Mm-hmm. And and it also has to be something that we can find some sort of topic on. Yeah. So there are a lot of different layers that really goes into which story we do end up picking, and it does pretty much make us stay up some some nights just trying to uh, figure out what what this one story is saying, just because we want to use it. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah. And it, also, I'm I'm certain that there's a lot of public domain stories like done now. You know that an author has. Um, written and and just released for anyone to use um but i don't know where those are so if you have any ideas (laughs) on where some public domain uh short stories are you know hit us up um we'd really Mm -hmm. appreciate that yeah uh yeah under two thousand words ideally uh so that's our difficulty anyway um lovecraft is is back here uh with the the terrible old man so uh lovecraft is obviously he's he's known just in general for doing a lot of eldritch uh, stories and, and 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 things like that, right? The very insanity inspiring, right? Cthulhu, etc. Uh, this yeah. isn't quite that, but it's. I think it's still within the vein of like. There's clearly something horrible going yeah. on here. It. I mean, it is definitely adjacent. I mean, through reading this, which I mean, we're we're about to read it in a bit, but um, I did notice that his prose aren't as should I say gaudy, you know, mm-hmm. and and the, oh yeah, and they aren't like over explaining and over detailing every aspect this felt a lot more like a story and not so much like his normal ramble oh yeah you know? yeah i'm remembering um what's that one story of his that i that i hate because of how many descriptors it has um it's one of his earlier <laughs> talk about dagon no no it's uh it's an early one it, it's not one that we we covered here um right now mm. actually next to me i have a, a collection of short of stories by him it's this published under the title macabre stories it's probably not mm, under here macabre. it might be is it done which horror one of his stories it could be done which horror because i do remember that story being very uh detailed do you know oh the terrible old man's of... in here i didn't realize that oh nice right here in this little book. Uh, did 
Do you know if it's part of the Cthulhu mythos or is it more of his dream cycle stories? I th- oh, I don't know anything about dream cycle stories. I've I've never heard that Ooh. term. Yeah, they are they're really good. Basically, um they it's a book filled with um short stories of him walking through this this place that he calls the Dreamlands. And the really cool thing is that everything that is within that story, to a certain extent, is based off of real dreams that he did have. That's um, that's terrible. <laughs> I know. And, and you really get a sense as to how fucked up this guy is. <laughs> good, good. I'm always... Based off of what, what's in his dreamscape. But I'm so happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, me too hopefully he's he's doing good you know i i haven't really heard anything from him in quite some time <laughs> yeah when's uh hp lovecraft's next work coming out you know yeah i, I hear he's still working on that uh that great american novel you know yeah um all right let's dig into dig into that's <laughs> this is where they uh they, they come back and they're in even faster cars and they uh <laughs> Let's smash an even bigger boat into a... An even bigger boat. Just kidding. That's Cthulhu. All right, let's get into, into the story. an even bigger god. Yeah, sure. Can't wait to hear it. The Terrible Old Man by H.P. Lovecraft. It was the design of Angelo Ricci, Joe Chanek, and Manuel Silva to call on the Terrible Old Man. This old man dwells all alone in a very ancient house on Water Street near the sea, and is reputed to be both exceedingly rich and exceedingly feeble, which forms a situation very attractive to men of the profession of Messrs. Ritchie, Chanek, and Silva, for that profession was nothing less dignified than robbery. The inhabitants of Kingsport say and think many things about the terrible old man, which generally keeps him safe for the intention of gentlemen like Mr. Ritchie and his colleagues despite the almost certain fact that he hides a fortune of indefinite magnitude somewhere about his musty and venerable abode. He is, in truth, a very strange person, believed to have been a captain of East India clipper ships in his day, so old that no one can remember when he was young, and so taciturn that few know his real name. Among the gnarled trees in the front yard of his aged and neglected place, he maintains a strange collection of large stones, oddly grouped and painted, so that they resemble the idols in some obscure eastern temple. This collection frightens away most of the small boys who love to taunt the terrible old man about his old white hair and beard, or to break the small-paned windows of his dwelling with wicked missiles. But there are other things which frighten the older and more curious folk who sometimes steal up to the house to peer in through the dusty panes. These folk say that on a table in a bare room on the ground floor are many peculiar bottles, and each a small piece of lead suspended pendulum-wise from a string. And they say that the terrible old man talks to these bottles, addressing them by such names as Jack, Scarface, Long Tom, Spanish Joe. Peters, and Mate Ellis, and that whenever he speaks to a bottle, the little lead pendulum within makes certain definite vibrations, as if an answer. Those who have watched the tall, lean, terrible old man in these peculiar conversations do not watch him again. But Angelo Ritchie and Joe Chanek and Manuel Silva were not of Kingsport blood. 
They were of that new and heterogeneous alien stock, which lies outside the charmed circle of New England life and traditions, and they saw in the terrible old man merely a tottering, almost helpless greybeard, who could not walk without the aid of his knotted cane, and whose thin, weak hands shook pitifully. They were really quite sorry in their way for the lonely, unpopular old fellow, whom everybody shunned, and at whom all the dogs barked singularly. But business is business, and to a robber whose soul is in his profession, there is a lure and a challenge about a very old and very feeble man who has no account at the bank, and who pays for his few necessities at the village store with Spanish gold and silver minted two centuries ago. Messrs. Ritchie, Chanick, and Silva selected the night of April 11th for their call. Mr. Ritchie and Mr. Silva were to interview the poor old gentleman, whilst Mr. Chanick waited for them in their presumable metallic burden with a covered motor car in Ship Street by the gate in the tall rear wall of their host's grounds. Desire to avoid needless explanations in case of unexpected police intrusions prompted these plans for a quiet and unostentatious departure. As prearranged, the three adventurers started out separately in order to prevent any evil-minded suspicions afterward. Messrs. Ritchie and Silva met in Water Street by the old man's front gate, and although they did not like the way the moon shone down upon the painted stones through the budding branches of the gnarled trees, they had more important things to think about than mere idle superstition. They feared it might be unpleasant work making the terrible old man loquacious concerning his hoarded gold and silver, for aged sea captains are notably stubborn and perverse. Still, he was very old and very feeble, and there were two visitors. Messrs. Ritchie and Silva were experienced in the art of making unwilling persons voluble, and the screams of a weak and exceptionally venerable man can be easily muffled. So they moved up to the one lighted window and heard the terrible old man talking childishly to his pottles with pendulums. Then they donned masks and knocked politely at the weather-stained oaken door. Waiting seemed very long to Mr. Chanick as he fidgeted restlessly in the covered motor car by the terrible old man's back gate in Ship Street. He was more than ordinarily tender-hearted, and he did not like the hideous screams he had heard in the ancient house just after the hour appointed for the deed. Had he not told his colleagues to be as gentle as possible with the pathetic old sea captain? Very nervously, he watched that narrow oaken gate in the high and ivy-clad stone wall. Frequently, he consulted his watch and wondered at the delay. Had the old man died before revealing where his treasure was hidden, and had a thorough search been become necessary? Mr. Chanick did not like to wait so long in the dark in such a place. Then he sensed a soft tread or tapping on the walk inside the gate, heard a gentle fumbling at the rusty latch, and saw the narrow, heavy door swing inward. And in the pallid glow of the single dim street lamp, he strained his eyes to see what his colleagues had brought out of that sinister house which loomed so close behind. But when he looked, he did not see what he had expected, or his colleagues were not there at all, but only the terrible old man, leaning quietly on his knotted cane and smiling hideously.
Mr. Chanak had never before noticed the color of that man's eyes. Now he saw that they were yellow. Little things make considerable excitement in little towns, which is the reason that Kingsport people talked all that spring and summer about the three unidentifiable bodies, horribly slashed as with many cutlasses, and horribly mangled as by the treads of many cruel boot heels which the tide washed in. And some people even spoke of things as trivial as the deserted motor car found in Ship Street, or certain especially inhuman cries, probably of a stray animal or migratory bird, heard in the night by wakeful citizens. But in this idle village gossip, the terrible old man took no interest at all. He was by nature reserved, and when one is aged and feeble, one's reserve is doubly strong. Besides, so ancient a sea captain must have witnessed scores of things much more stirring in the far-off days of his unremembered youth. Wow, wow, wow. So I really dig this story. I mean, <clears throat> from the get-go, we are hit with a lot of great imagery that, that definitely paints this this town very well, but we are also able to clearly see the intentions of these three that are just trying to, to make a uh, quick buck. Uh, and I really do like the part when uh, Mr. Chanick is standing out outside and um, as he's waiting and and waiting us as as the audience really do fear uh, for what could possibly happen and I mean there's there is really great tension there that is nicely cut when we see that that the old man comes out and not his two colleagues so overall I mean really really great story yeah I really like this as, as one of um, Lovecraft stories because of how under what's it called understated it is like yes. it, we, yeah. we kind of know as we go that this terrible old man has obviously got something much more sinister about him right with these you know the these these eastern idols or whatever obviously lovecraft has a long history of you know uh a lot of his horror coming from you know racist places and stuff right all the yeah. sinister stuff is from far off foreign lands that's why it's a, <laughs> it's a captain but anyway mm-hmm. you know this this imagery of these um spooky idols that that's scare all the people in these bottles that um you could kind of surmise must like contain the souls of his crewmates or something of that sort yeah um but it doesn't you know go way out of its way you know there's no like uh cloaked you know uh cultists uh we don't see what happens The, the the screams are sort of told you know almost with with some distance behind them right yeah um like the story is told in present tense for the most part, right? But mm-hmm. when we hear about the screams, it's told in past tense, right? Um, yeah, he yeah. has heard uh, the the these screams, the Mr. Chanik, while he's waiting. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think this is one of his his better, um, just chiller stories. It, like we mentioned with his. Um, with the word choice, right? The it, I think the story I'm actually thinking of it, it, it had something to do with a a dog. Um, I don't know what the name hmm. of that story is. Um, but anyway, where like I I remember reading a, a passage from one of his stories and it had like so many adjectives. Like each sentence <laughs> yes. was just exhaustingly long. Um, and I think this it it has some of that you know thick 
uh, Lovecraftian, you know, style of of imagery. Um, like I want to, I'll pull out a a section. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, do get what what you're saying. I mean, definitely reading this, I see how Lovecraft has kind of adapted his normal style from from what I'm used to seeing, and making it a lot more focused. I mean. Because uh, I know when I normally read Love uh, Lovecraft, there are those huge sections when he's just rambling on, and it's not even set in a place, and we're just describing like what is beyond the like uh, black sky. And I mean, it is uh, it is really cool, and it is evoke, uh, and it is invocating a feeling out of the audience. But I mean, with this story, this story was a lot more focused on place, character and time and um not so much depending on his own like very uh long-winded style to kind of carry this story over and i mean it it works in his favor to where through and through you know exactly what is what is happening and you're never really that con confused about about anything uh, so I, I just went into and found uh, my my book and I actually have the page I want to um, the paragraph I want to read out bookmarked. So this is this is really easy. So this is from um, a different uh, this is from um, Lovecraft story called The Hound. So I knew it was something with mm. a dog. Um, so I have this one paragraph uh, highlighted because of just how how much description is here. And this is definitely a style you can emulate like it's valid. It's just like not my favorite it's not as modern a, a style um yeah i mean also it, it is very aged like mm -hmm. to a modern audience um a paragraph filled with description is interesting but it won't but it won't really fly i mean overall we all have shorter and shorter uh tension spans year by year so yeah so um this is the the paragraph um so at last I stood again in the unwholesome churchyard where a pale winter moon cast hideous shadows and leafless trees drooped sullenly to meet the withered frosty grass and cracking slabs, and the ivied church pointed a jeering finger at the unfriendly sky, and the night wind howled maniacally from over frozen swamps and frigid seas. The baying was very faint now, and it ceased altogether as I approached the ancient grave I had once violated, and frightened away an abnormally large horde of bats which had been hovering curiously about it. So, like, this is valid. A, a, a lot of those words would be considered unnecessary. Yeah, where it's like, <laughs> I, it, it sounds better as it's read, but when you're reading yeah. it, like... It's thick. It, yeah, it just takes a long time to get through it, and it you kind of... It's like by the by by the time you get to the end of the sentence, you kind of forgotten what the first thing is, sort mm -hmm. of, um, and uh, it just doesn't need this many, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, like every every single last object within that um, uh, paragraph had two D descriptors yeah. and then like a color added added to it, which it, I mean, yeah. I and I also see how. 
he's trying to kind of create this like sort of motion where the like mind's eye is supposed mm. to go but it it definitely does get get lost when the uh, tower starts pointing a crooked finger north and and then the willows are drooping down to the grass and the cracks it's it is a lot to really take in yeah so so i just want to compare it to uh, a, a line of description in the terrible old man mm-hmm. um so this is when they they arrive at the gate. Um, they met at the by the old man's front gate, and although they did not like the way the moon shone down upon the painted stones through the budding branches of the gnarled trees, they had more important things to think about than idle superstition. Like that's mm-hmm. so, it's quick, but it, it it gives the it same feeling moving. of like there's a there's a spooky moon right mm-hmm. shining spookily right. That's that's basically the the entire thing in in, in both. <laughs> Um, Pretty much. So, like, both are valid, obviously. Um, like, if you want to have that many descriptions as as from um, the Hound, you you can. It's just a lot, <laughs> um, and it yes. and it slows it down a lot. So, anyway, it that's that's down. a tangent. And, and I mean, but well, yeah. And, and I mean, definitely going going back into the terrible old old man. Um, that is one thing that I enjoyed in this piece versus other Lovecraft pieces is that we are going somewhere like, like no, no matter how much description is being listed, we are, we're always linking it back to our main characters. Uh, and, uh, looking at that, uh, that paragraph from, from the hound, uh, never within that whole section was it linking back to the person that is really viewing it. So it kind of disconnects us as the reader from the scene that we're reading about. In a sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so so I've gone off a bit of a, a tangent here. Um, let's let's talk about the um the 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 challenge for this week. Yeah, sure. So the challenge for this week after reading The Terrible Old Man is that we would like y'all to to take any trope, whether it be a whether it be a robbery or maybe a a normal 9 to to 5 job or maybe even getting your car fixed and and add some sort of supernatural support to it. Some reason be behind whatever whatever is happening being supernatural well i had more of um of a idea behind it of like uh taking a trouble like the, the, you know a terrible old man or you know mm-hmm. a, 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 a yeah a creepy old man or something like that or some normal like strange thing in your in in people's lives right that is um i mean it's probably it's just coincidence or it's, or it's just you know probably you know prejudice or something like that and then add in um a supernatural element that's yeah that that supports it um so like in this one the terrible old man actually being a a ghost captain uh is the <laughs> one um or uh you could take uh like the concept of um you know your your socks being always disappearing in the uh mm-hmm in in the dryer um where do they go maybe there's some sort of um sock gremlin or or whatever you want so 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 basically taking the normal and then making it super normal in a sense yeah yeah um yeah uh so like in my mind it's kind of like this doesn't change the um the outcome as much 
but yeah. maybe adds like a sinister element or some sort of reflection mm-hmm. on ourselves. Um, adds another layer to it. Yeah. Um, actually, if we want to reflect that um, and, and sort of view this story through a, a theme like that, um, something I, you, you know, maybe looking at um, this story, a, a theme you could sort of take away from is that like um, this, this old man by sort of virtue of living a super, you know, long life actually is even more horrible than these, um, these robbers. Uh, like these robbers have come to, uh, to rob an old man, but I think they don't want to kill this guy. Right. Like that's not the intention. They're, they're okay with it, but like, that's not the intention. Whereas this terrible old man has seen terrible, horrible things throughout his life. Right. That's sort Uh of implied with like, with the ending of, of reflecting on his long life and, um, has done some cursed things right to his, you know, crewmates and things like that. And sort yeah. of, um, I don't know, maybe there's, there's, there's some sort of view there of, like, actually <laughs> older people, even if they, you know, look feeble and things like that, they, um, just just by virtue of their paths, of their yeah. histories being so long, it's kind of inevitable that they have some some terrible things in their past. Yeah, older people have none, the the less have sort of more compounded evil in them. Or they can, um, anyway, I guess. Yeah, they, they I don't want to say that the, that the theme of this the story is that old people <laughs> are evil, but it's just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, but I mean, like, you know, uh, it is the virtue of living longer is that you've had more time to make the wrong choice or to do the bad thing. So they have more, I guess, of that bad, mo- that bad, mo- that bad mojo on them, versus these guys trying to rob him. Even though they, these guys have probably done bad in their past, but that doesn't really measure up to a whole life lived as this sort of like uh, naval captain. Yeah, or, I guess it's more like if someone hasn't like tried to Im- improve you know, become a better person over their life just because they're old doesn't give them a pass, I guess. A pass, yeah. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm just hating on old people. That's that's my yeah, concern. So, you're, but. so, so you, you were saying that old people should be taxed more. That's, yeah. Because that's, they've, they've, mm-hmm. they've caused more damage that's, over time. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yep. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm, I'm Alexandra and I approve this message. Nice. Well, on that note. <laughs> no, please don't. Please don't. Oh, God. I'm going to get canceled in 20 years over this. Please. I. When you get canceled, I will be right there, and uh, I will wipe your tears with my $100,000 bills. Yeah, from the reparations. Finally. Yes, finally, finally. It finally came in. 27 years too, too, uh, uh, too late. But I feel I, like 27 I, is I, not the... When was uh when was um the original was it Abe it was Abe right that was uh forty acres in the mule right yes forty Where, acres once once you have mule. your forty acres in the mule that's when uh racism's over it's just yes. we gotta we just fix that and but they, uh, but they didn't give everyone that no they, they didn't like give said, anyone that I mean okay they gave some <laughs> but was, like almost no one like like five people. <laughs> And then also they like didn't tell them how to what to do with this land or how to do it, and they didn't give them any tools. So, I uh, so I will take my forty acres 
and a mule. Uh, in terms of a sort of monetary installment plan, mm-hmm. which I would love to start now, you yeah. know, on on top of my um, government check. Yes, that sounds that sounds yeah, it sounds like a plan. I, I'd mm-hmm. vote for it. So yeah, that's why we vote Bernie twenty twenty one. That's right, uh, Bernie forty acres and a mule Sanders. <laughs> that's his. <laughs> Okay, let's. That's his uh, full legal name. This, yeah. Um, do you guess? Do you all think that we could uh, we could become a better political podcast than Chapo Trap House? I think so. I th- Honestly, yeah. I think if uh, we had a few a few articles, we could we could make we could make politics fun again. I think I think that's the only goal there is to have. You know, mm-hmm. make um, pol- make make do politics poli- Do the do the politics thing. Yeah, and it's, do the vote thing. Do the vote thing. Do the democracy thing. I'm sorry, this is a really strange tangent. So that is the challenge <laughs> to uh, write something supernatural underlying um, a sort of you know trope or or, or stereotype or, or something, some sort of natural phenomenon, and um, add a uh, a supernatural element that uh, reflects upon the um, upon some sort of theme about of, of humanity or. Um, a character that's that's in the story um uh-huh. it, it just to, to to sort of state the obvious um uh packed and, and pale uh, wild bows you, you, um paranormal or urban fantasy stories are, are really great examples of this where basically everything in there um it's like an explanation for uh some some whatever fairy tale we have right this it's uh, the reflection on humanity and you know literalizes a lot of stuff so if you want some inspiration go for there if you write some fanfic i'm all for it um but yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of options definitely definitely <clears throat> well all right let's go ahead and roll on into our listener submitted story section thank you so much to everyone who did leave a story this week it does our hearts good and it makes my my week all that sweeter uh, so, those who wrote this week are Captain Rhino, Sarah Penguin, Nick to you, and, and Matt said words. And also, they all wrote stories about home. That's right. Um, and I think everyone hit that theme in, in one way or, or another. So mm-hmm. That was really, really cool to see. Nice. So, up first is Captain Rhino with Exile. Um, so, here we have... Um, so Sarah is this mother and she has her son, Zach, um, uh, and they are really poor. They, they barely have, um, uh, enough food for, for them both. And it's just porridge and it's something that, um, makes them both unhappy. And so Zach is, uh, he's upset with, with the, the current situation cause they're really poor and, and, and suffering. He has a bunch of like, um, bugs biting him during the night and things like that. Um, and he really misses his home, which he, it was better there. He had fruit every day and, and, and things like that. Um, and now he doesn't. So we cut to um, uh, Sarah trying to work in the city. She is a uh, knife sharpener. She's trying to get people to um, sign up for her services, right? Because she's actually really, really good knife sharpener. Back home, um, everyone knew that she was. But here, people are prejudiced against women, and they don't think that they can do you know, manual label labor like this. So she doesn't get that much, um, that many customers and, uh, suffers for it. And, uh, then this, um, patrician, uh, is carried, um, by slaves and, and 
marched past them, uh, you know, this great uh, display of wealth. And Zack says that he wants to be like that one day, right? Um, and Sarah's upset, you know, uh, you don't, you shouldn't want to have slaves. Uh, but Zack just like wants, you know, a better life at home. There wasn't slavery, but it was, it was better back there. And um, Gasu's mom, when they're going home and she says that she doesn't know. So, yeah. So I really like this, this story. I mean, it is ripe with this really nice world, world building that is also telling us a lot about these uh, characters and their sort of financial situation. Uh, and I really did like the moment when the uh, rich people with the slaves do walk by and uh, in kind of what Zach does say, because you can tell um, that the situation that they are in isn't very comfortable, um, but, you know, they are living. But, you know, Zach is sort of striving for more and uh, owning these slaves is is in this world seem seemingly a sort of status symbol uh and i really did like that that moment because it put the rest of the story into perspective uh and i think overall the um dialogue in the story is very strong and it does tell us a a lot about each character and their dynamics so i mean overall i just uh, I just really liked it, and I uh, really do like your portrayal of home in this. So, really great job. Yeah. Um, so this is like missing a a home that is now far away in this this mm-hmm. place that uh, maybe is more like extravagant, but not as wonderful in the sort of understated ways that it it was back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of get the implication that something terrible happened that you know ended with a or i guess their home was like invaded or something of the sort um yeah. by this the, this place um and their um the husband and, and father um died defending that home and, and stuff like that and it's just um it, it's kind of like a, a morning of a of a better place and a, be- a better way of life and a sort of struggle of of immigrants and, and things like that so i thought that was well yeah. portrayed no definitely definitely well, all right. Up next is Sarah Penguin with "Home is Where the Heart Is." So I like this little little twist on um, the the theme, um, right? Taking that that phrase rather than a literal interpretation of of home, and and we're talking about heart and and things here. So here we have um, Tabitha. She is a knight of this you know monster hunting order. Uh, she has a sword that is um, silver and um, uh, quenched in. in in blessed water and covered in uh, sunflower and, and garlic oils, um, sort of just like an all-in-one monster slang tool, which I, I thought was a, a clever um, idea. Uh, so she's in here in this manner where um, a vampire is, and it's a pretty obvious implication. And she uh, heads up to where um, uh, to to a bedroom and finds that it's a near perfect replica of her sister's home, who was lost and, and, and killed by this vampire. Uh, it, at least that's the story that she tells us in the, in the narration. Uh, but this vampire is here, and there's a woman on the bed uh, asleep, and it's not her sister because her sister's already dead. Um, and um, her and the vampire start talking. And um, the vampire, she uh, talks about how she actually loved uh, Tabitha's sister and um, turned her va- into a vampire because Tabitha wanted to be one. Um, or, sorry, Tabitha's sister wanted to be one. 
like they the implication very much that they loved each other and that they um had a really good um relationship and it was only tabitha's orders like evil evilness and um some other homophobia that specifically sought out to to kill this pair of uh lesbian vampire lovers sorry i was it took me a second to get the adjectives in order um (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, tabitha just just can't accept you know that uh, her sister was in love with a vampire and that would turn into um a, a creature hated by her order um because of of love um and so she you know tries to kill the the vampire anyway she's actually responsible for her sister's death um killing her or the order is um you know just because they kill vampires um even though this one doesn't even kill people she pays um people for further blood now which i it's a fun you know addition of like hey why don't they do this and you always wonder that when you read a vampire story right (laughs) um anyway um but uh they they start to fight but it turns out that uh she's not nearly strong enough to defeat this vampire um and the the vampire bites her and and debates what she's gonna do with with tabitha afterwards um you know either keep her um as a a blood bag i guess would be the the term you know somebody you drain over and over or turn her into a vampire herself so she can see what it's like yeah yeah so i really dug this this story i mean the uh twist halfway through about her uh, sister not being killed by this vampire but wanting to to be one be because of love was a a really good point within this story and uh I don't know. It just it it really changed the dynamic of how the rest of the story would would go. Where the uh, first half was really heavy in this really good description and um, world building. The second half lent a a lot more so a lot more so towards the towards the dialogue side. <laughs> Um, which I really did did like, and I uh, do like how how through this dialogue we are able to uh, learn more about the world, learn more about the dynamic between Tabitha and her sister, and her sister and this vampire. So I mean, overall, I think it uh, I think it is a really well constructed story, uh, and it does have a a very nice twist on uh, what home really is, and uh, and and what does make home. Um, and I think the the ending is a great, and the and I do like how the ending is a kind of left open to where this journey could possibly continue, uh, could could possibly continue forward. So really great job. Yeah, so this was a really, uh, um, a really complex um, emotional situation here because mm-hmm. right, Tabby uh, has this underlying guilt about actually being responsible for her, for her sister's death, even though she doesn't want to think about that, um, and so she like hates this vampire for for taking her sister away from her, but also sort of it being her fault at the same time. And then there's this added thing at the end where the vampire bites her, and I think there's like a you know a, a cocktail of of emotions and implications there because it's kind of like a sexual assault right with mm-hmm. the vampire biting her and injecting this pleasurable venom thing right um uh i mean obviously she was about to murder the vampire so it's like i can kind of understand <laughs> the defenses, <laughs> right but you, you have to imagine some terrible you know mix of emotions of like 
she she hates this vampire and she doesn't want to feel good about it but she does and she also doesn't want to be gay um because she didn't want to accept that her sister was as well um and uh yeah, so it's it's really big uh, mess of emotions. So um, a good a good amount of that w- was captured, and and but I would have liked to see even more of um, Tab- to Tabitha's uh, emotions about stuff. Mm-hmm. It's particularly in the in the latter half. I really like what the I, I I love the whole situation though. I love what's what's set up here. I think it's um, really complex and um, and interesting. So a uh, really good job. I I would also like how like grounded this is in this in this moment and and yeah. scene, right? We hear all about the the past and and stuff like that all through this dialogue and I think that's really well de- delivered. So, thanks Sarah yeah. Penguin. It is a uh, it is a very focused story and I uh, really dig it. Uh, well, well, all right. Up next is Nick to you with Hunting. Um so uh this is in, in the set same universe as um, Nick Dude's other story with that um, that eclectic festival, right? Um, yes. From from the other day, uh, where there was all those mutants and things um, that was uh, written in the more poetic style. So um, we sort of get some implication here um, that uh, the main character's world is is has a bunch of weird stuff going on, and it, it's dangerous in a lot of parts of the world. Um, sort of an implication of a, I think some sort of um, civil war perhaps or or some some terrible stuff anyway so um the the main character um i think it's he um and uh some other characters uh, find out that there is um a creature that has uh, appeared in the area apparently a a pink dinosaur which is you know uh, already sounds kind of strange right um but apparently there's you know more horrible monsters in other places and at, at some point there was um waves of demons that that came in and killed a lot of people sometime in the past um not that far in the past um but they um encounter the the pink dinosaur which is bright pink um it has a, a t-rex head but it has like cartoonish eyes and it sort of sounds cute right but they uh you know don't want to risk being wrong about uh, its nature and so they decide to shoot it and it it takes a bit to kill it, and then it, it poofs out of existence, and they assume well, this is probably gonna. It probably means it's dead, but who knows? Um, and they uh sort of uh laugh about it. Um, but um, there's a lot of speculation about you know where it came from, who attracted it is the question that they're wondering, and where do these you know strange concept monsters appear from, and what they're supposed to be doing with them? Um, yeah. So I really enjoy how much time this um story does take to kind of get to the monster i mean at at first it focuses a a lot on home um what has been there how how their parents kind of work and uh, the the fighting that uh, does does happen so, um so it does kind of leave us in this place of like wanting for this character and then as soon as they go on this hunt for this monster, uh, it's when things get really sort of um, interesting. Uh, there's some really great description of these woods and this sort of creature that that blinks in and out, and them just being so so gun ho to like shoot it because even though it it does maybe look peaceful, um, there is still that that fear when it comes to uh, to facing this. And, and I mean, overall, this this story took took me on a route uh, that I wasn't really expecting, but I but I really do like where it sort of 
ended up. And I do like a uh, a lot of the questions that are being asked that kind of clue us into um, deeper possible world building that that we might get later on down the online. But I mean, overall, uh, I I really do like this um, story. I I love how it's sort of broken down sentence by sentence. It um does really well at um basically setting up how you are supposed to read this this story through format alone so overall really great job really liked it yeah um it's, this is an interesting setting and i'm uh uh and so i'm interested whenever uh nick you takes a, a journey in it mm-hmm. definitely definitely well all right our last story for this week is by matt said words with moving and moving um, so this is a really cute story. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tim and, and Kat are packing up Kat's apartment. Um, and it's a, it's a big messy room, but they're, um, in the way that they're packing up is also rather, uh, messy and things like that. Um, but they have this wonderful back and forth dialogue. I, I this is kind of a, a quick story to, to summarize because, um, the events are rather simple while the like emotions and the the character work being done is rather complex so we get a lot of characterization in their the dialogue and just how they um interact with with the 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 goal of of moving um and we get you know that they're good friends or you know at least have a a good you know relationship until finally um at the end they're basically uh done packing up and the only thing left is the stereo right um except instead of packing it up uh, Kat uh, takes out a um, a laser light system, plugs it in, and in this empty room, they dance together. Um, and so we have some lines from the music, which is actually electronic, but they're slow dancing to it, which is uh, a nice, fun, um, I don't know if twist is the right word, but, you know, uh, make, makes it Subversion. the scene a bit unique, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they, they dance together, um, you know, just bonding um, having this this strange moment together as they're dancing together in an empty room with laser a laser light show, as these electronic songs play and it's that's um, the music uh, the lyrics play you know stuff that's really relevant talks about um, home kind of being uh, something that you have to leave behind sometimes but like the relationships are kind of the important part. Um, because um even though like the place can change um there's like ways that you can improve with it there's a lot you can analyze in in these um Mm -hmm. lyrics so finally they they finish and um they uh sing the like the final lines of the the song i i assume i don't i'm not entirely sure but um Mm -hmm. yeah they it's just a, a really nice bonding scene between them yeah, this is a, a really well-constructed scene that is very cute. I mean, I really do like the dynamic of the dialogue. It is a very fresh and it's very telling at sort of how much time these sort of characters have really spent with each other, how how comfortable they are with, with each other. And then there's also some um, really good comedy from how they differ and uh, how they believe they, they should pack. Um, only for as the story goes on, we get into a a lot more sweeter moments with them dancing, with them listening to these two really really great uh, great songs, and um, how the songs kind of spell out what they are feeling beneath sort of this scene itself. The the um side uh, the songs 
these songs provide us with some pretty good subtext here um and i mean overall i think this is a a really great scene i mean through and through uh and and nothing is is extra nothing is really missing it's just really good work with these characters and i mean hey these these songs are uh fantastic and i do love how much in how much inspiration I can tell you did get from it. So fantastic twist on home. Re- really, really great job this week. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good practice to um, write songs and or write stories inspired by songs. I think that's an interesting way to go about it. And um, you know, obviously, you, you probably go into it having some feelings about the songs already. And I think a, a story is a really good way to to frame those feelings and to to talk about them. So yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. That is it for all of our stories this week on Do the Right Thing. But we do want to say thank you to everyone who did submit a story. So thank you very much to Captain Rhino. Thank you to Sarah Penguin. Thank you, Nick, to you. And thank you, Matt Said Words. And we also want to say thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving comments under your story and someone else's story is is a surefire way to not only collect your thoughts on your own story, but you are providing someone else with crucial feedback that can make them and you a better writer. So, thank you very much to Captain Rhino, Sarah Penguin, Matt Said Words, and Nick to you. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Yeah, y'all are fantastic. It's really nice to, um, even if there's less stories in a certain week, there's still a lot of comments. And that's that's just delightful to to see. Really encouraging, like, just um, that even, like, if a lot of people are busy, there's still some vibrant discussion and, and practice going on. I, I think that's awesome. So, thanks so much, y'all. Yeah. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing on Reddit. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three or four words from that week. That's right. And um, I think uh, doing the right thing is probably a really good uh, New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of feeling that maybe I should I should uh, get back into doing it a little bit more. So uh, maybe you'll see some of my stories coming up um, in the in the, the coming weeks. Um, nice, nice. I uh, can't wait. It is a... It is a return to form for this podcast. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and I'm uh, really excited because, you know, there's so many other things that we're, we're doing out here at, at, at Doof Media. Um, it, I mean, uh, so right now, actually, the, the voting for the uh, Doof the Right Thing contest is, is going on. So if nice. you haven't already done so, go to uh, patreon.com um and uh i think it's slash doof media is that how that that works anyway the doof media yeah. patreon and the, one of the the recent posts is uh that voting for the doof the right thing contest so there you can see all the people the people that um submitted so thanks for submitting y'all uh some really really wonderful stories and, and polished uh stories and it's really nice to see the the polished versions of um of what was already sent into the podcast um and so you can read all uh, of the stories there uh they're just easy links um, and vote on your favorites. Um, uh, so already that's been going on. The deadline for the voting is January 9th. So uh, be sure to uh, get reading soon. And I'm really excited to announce the winners of that. Um, there's uh, other ways to contact us. You can send us a, a DM on Twitter if you want, or send us an email um, on Twitter. Uh, on our, our Twitter is at RightThingCast if you haven't already followed us. And because you're following the Doof Media uh, Twitter as well. And um, to email us, it would be rightthinkcast at gmail.com. 
I don't know yeah. why I said it in such a convoluted way, but there you go. <laughs> and if you want to support us and everything else happening in Doof Media, you can do that by donating money to to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate as much as you can, $10, $20, whatever you can do. That's an interesting way to phrase it. Yeah, just donate donate everything you've got. Just give us everything you you got. And then we won't uh, send a terrible old man after you. That's that's how it works. But Um, if you donate $10 or more, you get access to exclusive Doof Media content, including our most recent episode of doof overs when we covered death note yeah wonderful um and we need to to cover steins gate next yes um just gotta finish watching it (laughs) i'm about to finish catching up with attack on titan too maybe Mm. we just do a side thing for that i don't know oh yeah i have uh yet to start the fourth season i'm i'm scared um yeah i'll probably wait till it's it's fully out i i Mm -hmm. spent a whole day doing nothing but watching attack on titan and i think my brain kind of hurts it it, it rotted a little bit i Mm -hmm. think or maybe it was like scoured by a light basically it's just like less now in the wake of that (laughs) so um that's that's just that's my take don't spend all day staring at a a big screen that has an anime on it that's just it didn't it didn't turn out well for me at least take one break at at least take a break to get drunk or something like i think that's probably better for you <laughs> than watching anime all day. Yeah, yeah, I really do think so. Um, okay, uh, there's um, of course, there's so many other wonderful things going on. Doof Media, uh, in addition to uh, voting on the the Doof the Right Thing contest, there's also a vote for the Game Club going on right now. It's uh, going to be a queer uh, themed month for, of of video games, so I'm really excited for that. Um, so it's a bunch of uh, queer games in in the vote, and uh, one of our wonderful community members, who's my friend um, uh, Elliot. Elliot. Anyway, but not the Elliot from from um, Deep Impact and and those. I was about to say not from Australia, but she's from Australia. <laughs> it's just I, it, too many similarities going on here. But anyway, um, so I'm excited to um, she's going to be appearing on that episode of the of the Game Club. So I'm excited uh, for that reason as well. And of course, there's a, a book club going on as well, and all our regular podcasts continuing on. Um, so this there's always so much wonderful stuff going on. Um, Anyway, <laughs> that's that's all I've got for you. That's, that's all the announcements I've got. Nice, nice. So I think it is high time to announce next week's words. I would say it's low time. Mm, if only I could find it. So the story we are going to be covering next week is The Night Came Slowly by Kate Copen. Is it Copen? I assumed it was Chopin. Like, uh, Chopin? Well, Chopin? like the... Uh, the composer person Mm, maybe maybe i mean i i am not too familiar with her work um so i'm not sure how to pronounce her last name but i did it like a good old american that's right Uh, (laughs) so next week's words are can i get a drum roll real quick thank you Thank you very much. Next week's words are pigeon, hunting, string, and patient. Um, so two of those are, are very um interthemed. Mm-hmm. So pigeon a hunting. pigeon is a yeah, it's a kind of it's a kind of bird. Um I don't know what other twist you could do on that. 
I'm sure there are some, but it's probably different things like related to pigeons. I think there's probably other words, but they're, yeah, they're, they're related to it. Um, Hunting, which is to uh, search for something uh, very hard, I I suppose, very aggressively, uh, usually in order to kill it, but you could just be hunting for something else, Mm -hmm. hunting for answers. (laughs) So that's actually a pretty, pretty versatile one. A um, string, which is a line, usually a, a thread, but yeah. it can be other things. A, a string of murders, which would sort of plot it on a sort mm-hmm. of graph, I think is a, the idea. It's a sort of series. Yeah. A string instrument. Yeah, a, a string quartet. Um, yeah, you got options there as well. A patient, which is uh, two primary definitions. One is a patient at a sort of mm-hmm. medical institution, someone who is being uh, studied and, and treated usually, or patient as in to be patient. Mm-hmm. Patient um, is key. It's a virtue. That's right. Which is uh, to be uh, okay with uh, waiting, basically. Nice, nice. So what story are you going to write next week? Um. So uh, for, for all those listening, keep in mind that we'll be doing something related to um, some uh, some supernatural things a bit behind the natural, behind the natural phenomenon. So I'm going to write about why are there so many city pigeons? There's so mm. many city pigeons everywhere. And that's because birds in general are attracted to misery. That's right. Um, that's why there's the old wives tale of... Um, when a bird gets in your house, this means someone's going to die. Um, mm. uh, so uh, a lot of people die in cities, which is why there's just so many pigeons there. Uh, because they, they gobble up souls. They just think it's super delicious. They're hunting for that delicious, delicious soul juice that we all have inside of our bodies. Um, now, the the problem is, is that um, city souls, uh, the souls of people in cities are rather, um, they're not very healthy. They're not very healthy souls. So that's why you kind of have the worst kind of bird there, the pigeon, um, because uh, they're the only ones that can subsist off of this watery, um, just kind of toxic soul of um, city slickers. Um, so uh, w- when a when a when a pigeon comes to the city, it it gobbles up all those uh, all those um, delicious delicious toxic trash souls um, in a in a string of of gluttonous um, consumption. Um, and usually hovers around uh, patients of, uh, of hospitals, of city hospitals. So that's why there's so many pigeons inside of city hospitals. Wow. Wow. I honestly did not know why that was happening. But thank you so much for, for providing me with really good context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so my story next week is going to be talking about oil. Not the black stuff, but the but the good stuff that you put in your food and on your skin. You see, somewhere deep in the good old-fashioned bayou, there is this world-renowned oil factory. They make canola, they make canola cocoa nuts, choco nuts, and even aloe vera. All of these beautiful oils being churned and strung together in a beautiful vat of liquid gold. Now, this is only on the inside, where where some tours might might walk through certain students hunting for uh, little jobs here and there to try and get into the oil business. But what people don't understand is that beneath, below this 
factory where the pigeons can't go and and you must be quite patient to walk down the long long flights of stairs all of this oil that has been squeezed from plants vegetable and animal filters all down to this giant slug-like creature who simply eats all of the oil and poops it out into very nicely tailored jars, cans, and any, su- and, and any other kind of container. You see, we can make oil, but we can't make it shine, and we can't make it work how, how it is supposed to work until it's filtered through a maggot. I think that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's really heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you did the right thing by um, saying it. Thank you. I, um, I try to, to do that very often, try and be as uh, poetic. <laughs>